Uh, today's scripture reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verse 13 through 5.1. Since we have the same spirit of faith as he who wrote, I believed and so I spoke, we too believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You know, I don't often talk about heaven, uh, where we go when we die, and uh, what that's like. Even at funerals, I kind of avoid that. I don't, you know, it's not. Part of that probably has to do with my youth relative. <laughs> it depends on which group I'm in, but some, often around church, uh, I'm young <laughs> among folks, and so I'm not really thinking about heaven too much. Uh, another part of that is probably because I don't think the Bible really talks about heaven a lot. Uh, oftentimes the stories and the things that we think are talking about heaven are really not talking about heaven at all. They're talking about what life ought to be like in the here and now. And uh, heaven is used as a bit of a metaphor. Uh, uh, one such story is in Luke the story of the rich man and Lazarus. People always, when talking about heaven or hell, they always cite this text to me. Uh, and in the story, Lazarus goes to heaven. He was a poor man in life who, who sat outside the gates of the rich man's house. And then dogs came and licked his sores. Miserable, pitiful existence. And uh, the rich man ignored him drove by him in his Bentley or his rolls every day, just ignored him outside the gates of his beautiful estate, went on about his business like he didn't even exist. And uh, when they both die, Lazarus goes to, to the side of Abraham, goes to heaven. Uh, the rich man goes to Hades. And there's a chasm between, and there's a dialogue between Abraham and and the rich man who is in torment, uh, who cries out, please, you know, go warn my brother, you know, save me from this. And so sorry, you had your reward in, in the world, you, you know, uh, when you were alive, you lived sumptuously, you lived a great life. Now you're receiving your consequence of that. L Lazarus, you know, he lived his life uh, as a poor person in the world, and now he receives his reward. The problem with using that as, a, as an, 
an example of what heaven and hell are like is that it's, it doesn't really fit our theology, right? What are the criteria for going to heaven? Apparently being poor is the criteria for going to heaven and being ignored by society. And what is the criteria for going to hell? Being rich and uh, uh, ignoring the needs of the poor. Well, that doesn't really fit our Christian theology, does it? That, that those are the criteria for going to heaven or hell. So clearly this story is Jesus' way of saying we better take care of the poor. Amen? And that's why this church really pays attention to that. Is <laughs> because Jesus said, it says in this story, we better take care of the poor. We have a responsibility for those who sleep outside our gates and uh, who are left without. Uh, so, you know, when the Bible does talk about heaven... Uh, and hell. Uh, it's really not talking about heaven and hell very often. To be honest, uh, you know, the, the Bible doesn't really help in answering some of these questions like, what is heaven like? And uh, are we wandering around on clouds? Like, you know, if you watch any of those commercials with angels, you, you believe we're all just bouncing around on clouds all the time. Uh, and that doesn't seem right. Is it a new Garden of Eden? Is that what it's going to be like? You know, uh, our picture of paradise was painted for us in Genesis uh, when, the gar- when God and humans dwelled together in the garden. Is it going to be like that? Uh, in John, Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. Do we, we each get a mansion? Boy, that would be all right, wouldn't it? Uh, here again, I don't know if that's really, is that, is that hyperbole or, or do we literally get a, a mansion? Of course, Revelation, Revelation goes into a long description of, a, you know, a four square city with gold, uh, roads and gems along the foundation and all kinds of, uh, adornments. Uh, all over the city. Of course, this is the new Jerusalem that comes to earth, not the other way around. We think of going to heaven in Revelation. Heaven comes to us. Amen. That sounds good to me. <laughs> then I don't have to pack. You know, will we be with our families? Right? Uh, for some, this is a comforting thought. The idea of, of rejoining together as a family in heaven is a source of great joy. Why? Because we love our family here, and that's been a source of support and love and, and joy. However, uh, I'm sure there are those among us and many in the world who would say, the last thing I want to do is spend my eternity with my family. Right? And, and many have good reason for that, uh, because people within their family may have been a source of great pain or great sorrow. So for some, that's a very comforting thought. For others, that's not a picture of heaven uh, they're going to really want or relate to. And as we've already talked about, you know, what are the criteria for going to heaven? And, and if we don't go to heaven, what's the alternative? We call that hell, don't we? And will we be ourselves in heaven? Will I be well, I'll be Curtis. Well, people go, oh, there's Curtis, uh, the guy with the laugh, right? Uh, that's a, I could cure cancer. I could be the guy who cured cancer. All anyone would remember is my goofy laugh, right? That's what people remember about me, which is, which is fine. God has given that to me. I'm going to bear it. But uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's what they'll remember. Maybe. Or uh, do, we, do we lose all of that and become 
something else. These answers, they, these answers aren't really in the Bible. And to be honest, I really don't know. That's another reason I don't talk about heaven. is because I don't know very much about it. And I hate to talk about things I don't know anything about. I know you find that surprising. Uh, anyone who's ever talked to me. but <laughs> And, you know, it's interesting to think about that Heaven was never really all that important, even in the life of the people of God. For the first few thousand years, uh, you know, 1,500 years, I guess, or 25, depending on what, which calendar you go by. But uh, in the Old Testament, heaven is not even an idea that comes to into play until about 300 years, 200 years before Christ. In the Old Testament, uh, people didn't, didn't talk about heaven. When you die, you go to a place that's called Sheol. And Sheol is kind of this uh, shadow land under the... A lot of people think it's like Hades or, or like hell, but it's really not. It was this shadow land where where your soul goes and you're not really awake, but you're not really asleep and you don't really have this consciousness, but it's just kind of where your your shadowy soul goes. So there really wasn't the a concept of an afterlife among the Hebrew people. Not until... And so what that meant was that their life in the here and now was really all they got. And so it became very important. And the way you gained eternal life was you had children. You had good children who carried on your name and you had a good reputation that, that carried on with your good children, right? And so that's why, you know, the begats become so important. Like who you're... Who your lineage was becomes important. Who your tribe is becomes so important. is because that's how you, that's your legacy. That's how you go on in the world. However, eventually, at some a certain time, uh, heaven comes into play. They start to wonder what comes after this life. And it starts to take the form of heaven in the exile. Now, why is this become important in the exile? Because the people of God were taken out of their land. They were taken out of power. They were a conquered people. Their temple, the dwelling place of God, is destroyed. And they're carted off to Babylon, some strange country they know nothing about. They are an oppressed and an enslaved people. So all of a sudden... When your life is completely out of your control, you start to think about what happens when we die. Especially when many of your people die as a result of this oppression and this exile along the road or out of when they're under the thumb of some oppressive regime. When your life is not your own to control, heaven becomes an important idea that brings hope to your life. Uh, the African slaves who were brought to America, much of their songs that are so revered in our culture these days, didn't talk about today, they really talked about heaven. And often it talked about what would happen to the white folks after heaven. And the, it talked about justice, amen. <laughs> uh, I got a shoe. 
You got a shoe. All God's children got a shoe. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoe and I'm going to walk all over God's heaven. Everybody's talking about heaven, but not all of them going there. That's part of the song too. I know who they're talking about. <laughs> right? So this idea becomes important when your life is not your own to control. Where do you get your hope? You get your hope in maybe what comes next. In our text today, Paul draws on the idea of being resurrected into heaven in order, Paul says, that we might not lose heart. Paul says, when your life, and Paul knows, you know, he's speaking to the Roman church. Well, when he went to Rome, they crucified him. They killed him. Uh, he died probably around uh, uh, 50 or 64 A.D., in between 64 and 66, in Rome, where they were persecuting the followers of Christ, where they were throwing them in jail, and eventually he lost his life and was executed by the Roman authorities uh, because of his alignment with the followers of Christ. So you bet Paul was thinking about what happens next. And he held on to this idea of being resurrected into heaven so that we might not lose heart. This is what is important about heaven and why I, even though I don't ever talk about it, even though, like I just said, it's not really a part of the Old Testament, why I think it's an important thing for us so that we might not lose heart. It's a luxury today. It's a luxury in the world we live in that we don't have to talk about the afterlife so much because we have so much control about over what goes on in the world today, don't we? We can change the way the world is. It, it's daunting. It feels big. But God has called us to be agents of peace, to be agents of God's love, to be the hands and feet of Christ in this hurt and broken world. We have control of our lives. We, there is an illusion of persecution in, in the world that especially, you know, a lot of Christian churches like to cultivate this illusion of persecution. Uh, that, is not, that is not true. We have, we have control over our own destinies. And we have control of our lives. And we can choose to come together and live out together the kingdom of God. Amen? We can choose to be the agents of Christ. We can choose to be the hands and feet in this hurt and broken world. We can choose to take care of Lazarus. With, out of our own abundance. We can choose to demand justice in the world today. And people have to listen to us sometimes. Right? They, well, they, they're good at tuning us out. But if, if we get loud enough, they start to listen. And we can change things. Amen? Amen. We've seen a lot of changes over the, the course of time. Uh, uh, for seven years... <laughs> uh, People have brought uh, an anti-discrimination bill to the Utah legislature that, that said you can't kick people out of an apartment or fire them just because they're gay. For seven years, that bill got rejected. But it was only when 
when we all stood together and the faith community came together and said, that is not justice. You must pass this bill. You can't, we can't live in a culture and a society like that. And we got it passed. Amen. We can change things. We are in control. But there are times when it feels as though our lives are out of control. And there are times when it feels like we need to think about what comes next. And there are times, uh, there may be times in the future and there may be times in our lives now when all we got is heaven. Amen. And I love this concept of heaven that there is, that, that, that this is our faith we hold on to, this is our hope, because it acknowledges what I believe in that there is something more. There is something more beyond this life. That there is something that comes after this. This is not the end. That what we are now, that what we are goes on in God. That when Jesus left the earth, went to be with God. This is what Paul is telling us today. And that when we die, we also die into God. And when we are resurrected, we are resurrected into God as Jesus is resurrected into God. Uh, I want to end with the prophetic message that comes to us from blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, that... Uh, uh, the great prophet from my era (laughs) with a great horn section. Now troubles are many, they're as deep as a well. I can swear there ain't no heaven, but I pray there ain't no hell. Well, I swear there ain't no heaven and I pray there ain't no hell. But I'll never know by living, only my dying will tell, is only my dying will tell, yeah, only my dying will tell. I won't go on from there, but we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> we don't know what comes next, but there is something more. And our dying will tell that, but our living is what is important now. And we can live our, and right now we can live our lives to the fullest. We can live out the kingdom of God as Jesus called us to. We can live out justice. We can, we can love mercy, walk humbly with our God. And then someday God will call us into God's self. My faith is this, that the God who loves us and sustains us and upholds us in His right hand, the God who fills us with that Holy Spirit, that same God who who cares and loves us as a parent in this life, will hold us and support us and love us in the life to come. Let us pray. Great and loving God, we thank You We thank you for the luxury of not having to talk about heaven very much because we are in so much control of the world we live in today. Help us to acknowledge and embrace this empowerment you have given us that we might indeed live out, herald in, hearken to the kingdom of God. 
But in times of stress, in times of trouble, when we need to be heartened, may may our hope of heaven get us through those difficult times. We ask all this in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.